Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to open your Bibles or your service folders to our second lesson, Philippians chapter 4. God, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds us to rejoice always. Pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Might be tempted to get into a little argument with the Apostle Paul over those words. How can you do that? How can you rejoice always? Paul, haven't you watched the news lately? Not much on the news to rejoice about. Paul, you don't know what's going on in my life. There's not much in my life that there is to rejoice about. So, are you really serious? Rejoice always? And almost as if Paul anticipates our objection says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Be serious. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say, rejoice, eh, if you kind of feel like it. In fact, he puts it in the form of a present tense command. Be rejoicing. In the present, all the time. Rejoice always. So how is that possible? How is it possible to rejoice always? Let's take a closer look at those inspired words of God. In whom are we to rejoice? That's the key, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice in the news that you watch at night even if it's good news. Whether it's good or bad, it's going to change tomorrow anyway. It says rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. Whether they're good or bad, in a moment, they might change one from the other. Bad to good, good to bad. It's not going to last. Remember where Paul was when he wrote these words. He was sitting in prison when he wrote this little epistle of joy. There is no thing, there's no circumstance in this life that enables you to rejoice always. People, money, health, your favorite sports team, well, they can all give you moments of rejoicing, but in the next moment, they might give you reason for sadness. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what the Apostle Paul had learned, and that's what, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wanted to encourage the Philippians to do what he wants to encourage you and me to do. Rejoice in the Lord. See, in the Lord, he knew that all of his sins had been forgiven because of Jesus' life and death in his place. In the Lord, he could say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Because Jesus had lived and died and rose again. In the Lord, he knew that God was always with him. 
working in everything that was happening, even in the bad and the good, making sure that it always served his eternal good. In the Lord, he could rejoice always. Good times and bad, whether hungry or well-fed, whether living in plenty or in want. In the Lord. Did you recognize those promises that enabled the Apostle Paul to rejoice always? You should. They're exactly the same promises that God has given to you. In the Lord. All your sins are forgiven. Even your failure to rejoice always. That's forgiven. In the Lord. You have a promise of eternal life in heaven. Like the Apostle Paul, you can say, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Because you know that when you die, your soul will go to live and reign with Christ. And when he comes back on the last day, body and soul will be reunited. You get to live with him in glory forever. In the Lord. Because Jesus died and rose again. In the Lord. You know that you have an almighty, eternal, loving, all-knowing God who is there with you every step that you take, every minute of every day, working to make sure that, good or bad, whatever happens, it serves your eternal good. That's why Paul could say, rejoice in the Lord always. In the Lord, there's always reason to rejoice. And as you rejoice in the Lord, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. When you focus on the Lord and all that he has done and all that he promises for you, the things that other people say and do, well, they're just not all that important. It's easier when you're focused on the Lord to do what, the, what Martin Luther encouraged, to take people's words and actions in the kindest possible way. Let your gentleness be evident. And even if you find out that they intended to harm you, in the Lord you remember Joseph. His brothers intended to harm him when they beat him up and threw him in a pit and sold him as a slave. But in the Lord, Joseph was able to be gentle. After his fathers died, his brothers came all worried that he was now going to take revenge on them. And he was able to point them to what God had done. You intended to harm me. What you did was bad. It was a sin. But look what God did. Look how he used it for good. Not just for me. And not even just for you. But for hundreds of thousands of others who probably would have starved to death, humanly speaking, if Joseph hadn't been in the right place at just the right time. His gentleness was evident to all. He was able to, in the Lord, forgive his brothers for all the pain and suffering and trouble they had caused him. That gentleness was evident even to Pharaoh. Charles Spurgeon writes, If you cannot speak the gospel, live the gospel by your cheerfulness and gentleness. For what is the gospel? It is good news of great joy shall be to all people. If people see your gentleness, even to those who intend to harm you, if people see your 
gentleness, your joy in the midst of a troubled life, you're going to have that opportunity to speak the gospel. They're going to wonder, how can you do that? How can you have that joy? How can you have that gentleness? How can you be so different from everybody else in the world? You'll have the opportunity to explain them the reason for the hope that you have. It's in the Lord. Your joy is in the Lord. And that kind of joy produces the fruit of gentleness. Rejoice always. The Lord is near, Paul says. Now, to some people, the idea that the Lord is near, well, that's terrifying. Without the Lord, if you're not in the Lord, well, the Bible says it's a terrifying, terrible, dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the God who can destroy not just the body, but both soul and body in hell. But in the Lord, it's a beautiful thing. The Lord is near not to punish us. The Lord is near to keep all of his promises. He's near to hear our prayers. He's not like Baal. Remember the prophets of Baal were yelling and shouting and even cutting themselves to try and get Baal's attention and Elijah had to say, well, maybe your God is far away. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on vacation. Not our God. Our God is always near. Always willing and able to keep his promises. And we also think about the Lord being near in another way in the Advent season. Each day that we live is another day nearer to his coming again in glory. So we say with the Apostle John, even so, come, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Come and rescue us from this world of sorrow and take us to live with you forever in holy joy. We ask this not because we're righteous, but because Jesus was righteous in our place. We ask this not because we've earned or deserved eternal life, but because Jesus has purchased it for us with his blood shed on the cross. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Don't be worried about anything. Well, there's another thing to argue with, right? How can you say that, Paul? There's so many things to worry about. We worry about our kids and all the dangers that are out there in our world today. We worry about the increase of persecution of Christians all over the world. We worry about all of the turmoil in, in politics and finances. There's just so many things to worry about. How can you say, don't be worried about anything? Well, what's Paul's answer? Pray. In everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. So he said, God has commanded you to pray and he's promised that he's going to hear your every prayer. He's going to answer every single prayer in a way that is best for you. You can talk to him at any time. He's not like Baal. He's not far away. He's near. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He's always there 24-7. He 
You can talk to him about anything that's on your mind or anything that's happening in your life. He's 100% confidential, 100% trustworthy, and, well, he already knows. He's omniscient. He's just waiting for you to talk to him. Kind of like the parent picking up a kid from school, right? Tell me, how was your day? He really wants to know, even though he knows already. And present those requests to God, Paul says, with thanksgiving. Thank him in advance for that wonderful privilege and opportunity to even talk to him. You and I, sinners, who deserve to be sent away from his presence forever, deserve to have a wall separating us from God so that our prayers don't even get to him. And yet, he says, in the Lord, in Jesus, because of his righteousness, come. I'm always here. I'm always listening. Thank him in advance for whatever his answer might be. Because whatever that answer is, you can be sure it's what is absolutely best in the Lord. We always have reason to rejoice. His love and his forgiveness are beyond our understanding, Paul says. And it's not just the how that's beyond our understanding. Who can understand a virgin birth? We believe what the Bible says, but can't really understand how that worked. Who can understand Jesus sacrificing on the cross to pay for the sins of the world? His resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, his being the second person of a triune God, and yet God and man. There's so many things that are beyond our understanding. Not just the how, the why. That's even more beyond our understanding. The Apostle Paul says, yeah, we might understand that someone could possibly die for someone who's their friend. But Christ died for the ungodly. For you and for me, while we were still sinners, when we deserved his condemnation and not his love. And yet he died for us. Who can understand that? His grace and love for us are beyond our understanding, but they give us a peace and joy that the world cannot understand and cannot comprehend. And that incomprehensible peace and joy are yours in Jesus, in the Lord. Paul says he's promised to guard you and to keep you in that peace and joy. Rejoice, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always because of what God has done, what he is doing, and what he promised he will do for you.